Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we just pray, Father, right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, we just pray, Father, as you said, your word does not return void. So God, we just pray, Father, right now that it accomplishes what it has set out to accomplish. And Lord, we just give you all the credit for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all ready? Four of you, the rest of y'all ready? All right, let's go. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder. That is a strong word right there. Listen, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. And suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Okay then. Woo! All right. so, so this morning I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you and, 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 and I want us to look at the Apostle Paul. Okay? He was known as Saul because he had not been converted just yet. Right? He was very religious. He was very religious, but he was not a born-again Christian. Amen? I like Paul, though, because he was aggressive. Paul was aggressive. Everybody say aggressive. He was aggressive. He was awful. He was bad. He was doing horrible things. He was murdering. The Bible uses the word murder. That's tough. He was murdering Christians. He was killing Christians, and he was on his way to get more letters to come and kill more Christians. Amen? But he was aggressive. Even though he was doing bad, and even though he was doing the wrong thing, he was aggressive, right? I want to tell you something about God. God loves bad people. Hallelujah. Where's my bad people at? All right, that's what I thought. Make sure we're still in the right place here. God loves bad people. God loves bad people. God loves bad people because bad people make the best good people when they get converted. Amen. I'm telling you, bad people are focused. Bad people are really focused on doing the wrong thing. Amen. They are. Bad people, are, they're just really focused, and they know how to be bad. Right? And if you can ever get them saved, -wee. if you can ever get them saved, they'll really be good. Amen. Amen? I'm telling you. Because they're just extreme in that way. I, I'm, I might just be preaching to myself right now, but I'm telling you. <laughs> just really, really extreme at being bad, and I was really good at it, right? But God loves bad people 
because they're just extreme in that way. No matter which direction they're going, they're going to be really, 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 really good at being bad or they're going to be really, 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 really good at being good. Amen? And Paul was that kind of person. Paul was that kind of person. He was on his way to get letters to kill more Christians. That's what he was doing. And suddenly Jesus appears to him. I'm talking about a changed vision. Everybody say changed vision. The rest of you say changed vision. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. He got a vision of Jesus. He is on his way to get letters to kill more people, and he got a vision of Jesus. And then for the first time in his life, he's not experiencing religion. He's experiencing an encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen? For the first time in his life, he's not experiencing religion. He's experiencing a true encounter with Jesus Christ. He falls off his horse and he's overwhelmed because he sees Jesus. And I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear what I'm saying. True conversion is not when you walk down an aisle and walk up here and pray a prayer that the preacher led you in. Amen? That's a great start. But true conversion, that's not what that is. Amen? It's totally possible for people to come to the altar. It's totally possible for people to pray a prayer and not be converted. Amen? I, I, I'm telling y'all, I'm preaching myself this morning. It's truly possible to come down here and raise your hand or come to the altar and not be truly converted. It's possible for people to be in church and have a praying mother. It's possible for people to have praying grandparents and, and to be coming to church all the time and they've been around church all their lives and they're just as lost as they can be. Amen? There's a lot of... Y'all following me yet? Y'all following me this morning? It's not until you get a vision of who Jesus really is. It's not until you get that vision of who Jesus really is. It's not until you see him as he is. And it's not until, until you're completely just overwhelmed by his love. Until you're overwhelmed by his grace. Until you're just completely overwhelmed by everything that he's done for you. Amen? This is what I'm talking about. That it absolutely just overtakes you. Am I talking to anybody this morning? That you just, you see Jesus for who he is and, and you see him and you're like, oh my gosh, it just completely overwhelms you and overtakes you. And that's what the Bible talks about, true conversion in John 3, 3, when he says, you must be born again. That's what he's talking about. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's what he's talking about is that true conversion. It's not just walking down here and praying a prayer. Amen? Y'all follow me so far? That's what he's talking about. There's a difference between being religious and being truly converted. Thank you. There is a difference between being religious and being truly converted. Amen? Nobody had to follow up on him. Nobody had to check on him. The first words out of his mouth, when he found out who Jesus was, look at Acts 9, 6. 
as soon as he had a vision of who Jesus really was, the first words out of his mouth, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's it. That was all he said. He got a fresh vision of who Jesus was, and the first thing out of his mouth was, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what he said. What do you want me to do? When you really get converted, nobody has to follow up on you. You may need encouragement. You may need people to come alongside you and walk with you, you know, time and time again and, and to call and check on you and see how it's, how it's going. But, but when you truly see Jesus in your heart, amen, and, and you truly, like, listen, the light shines on you. Like it did him. And you're having one of these moments where, where God just melts your heart. Has anybody ever had that moment in your life? Where Jesus just shows up and he just melts your heart. Amen. I'm telling you, from that day forward, everything changes. Everything changes. That's what the Bible teaches is true conversion. That's what he's saying. You must be born again. When he saw Jesus, he's riding on his horse and he saw Jesus. He saw who he really was and God changed his name from Saul to Paul. Amen? Everything changed from that point. He was given a vision for his life. Amen? He saw Jesus and he was given a vision for his life. And he said in Acts 26, 19, look at this. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul is talking to King Agrippa and he is explaining to him his conversion and what had happened on the road to Damascus. And he's going through it and he told him, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. God knocked me off my horse and Jesus gave me a fresh vision of who he really is. When he saw God, guys, listen, it changed everything. It changed everything. Come on, somebody. Come, you know what? Let's give God a better hand than that. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for starting that. When he saw who Jesus was, when he saw who God was, it changed everything. Look at 1 John 3, 2. Look at this. It says, but we know that when he is revealed, when we see him, it says, but we know when he is revealed. Look at this. When we see him, we shall be like him. Amen? For we will see him as who he is. When we see him, we want to be like him. Do you know that? It makes you want to be like him when you see Jesus. It says when we see him, we want to be like him. So when people come down and they say, well, I prayed the prayer, Pastor. I did this. And they, they want to go right back out and do exactly what they were doing before they came down and prayed the prayer. Because when we see him, we want to be like him. Amen. Are y'all following me? When you see him, you can come down and pray your prayer all you want to and go back out and live like the world and do all the things that you want to do. But when you see him, you want to be like him. Amen. That's what he said. So when people come down and they pray the prayer and, and they go right back and do exactly what they were doing, they were never truly converted because when you see him, you'll be like him. Amen. Amen. You immediately, instantly want to be like him when you're truly converted. It's called sanctification. Justification, 
and sanctification are two different things. Amen? Justification means you have been declared not guilty. That's all it means. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that arousing response up there. I'm really taken aback by that. Thank you. Justification means you have been declared not guilty. Thank you. Sanctification, that word means to be made holy, to be set apart. That's what that means. And when you truly see him, you want to be like him. The sanctification process is walking this thing out. Amen? That's what it is. Justification, Romans says you declare with your mouth, you have been declared not guilty. Right? But sanctification, that's what I'm talking about. I thought about the disciples in the storm and how it so speaks to our lives today about vision. Amen? Look at this. The storm was raging. And Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter said to him, says, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. And you know what Jesus said? Look at this. Look at this. Matthew 14, 29. He said, come. Come. He said one word. That's all he said. Come. That's all he said. He didn't preach a sermon. He said, if it's you, Lord, just tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. He didn't preach a sermon. He didn't have a bunch of fancy little points. He didn't make a bunch of promises. He didn't prophesy. All he said was come. Come. Simon Peter got out of the boat, and the Bible said he fixed his eyes on Jesus. He got out of the boat. He fixed his eyes on Jesus, and he started doing the impossible. He started walking on water. He started doing things that, humanly speaking, should not be possible to do. Amen? Amen. Because he had vision. Because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. And he was walking on the water. And then halfway, he starts sinking. He starts sinking. You know why? Because he was distracted. He was distracted. And he started looking at the circumstances. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. But there's some of you in here that's distracted. There's some of you in here, listen, when he started looking at the circumstances, he started looking at the conditions all around him. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. He started looking at all the conditions around him, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he lost his vision. Amen. He lost his vision. Can I tell you the job of the enemy is to get your vision off of Jesus? Do you know that? And, and to put your vision on the conditions all around you. Amen. The job of the enemy is to get your vision off of Jesus and start watching the conditions all around you and everything that's going on in your life. Because as long as you're looking at Jesus and you're, you're hearing him say, come, come on, you can do the impossible. Amen. I'm telling you. You can do things that people say is not possible. You shouldn't be doing this. But the moment, I'm telling you guys, the moment your eyes shift and you start worrying about this, instead of keeping your eyes on Jesus, the moment that your vision shifts to the conditions that you're in, you start to sink. Amen? 
suddenly the thing that he was on top of, you better hear me, he began to sink in it. The thing that he was on top of, he began to sink in it. He got halfway and began to sink because he broke his focus off of the vision. And he began to look at the conditions all around him. And the thing that he was on top of, the thing that he was conquering, he began to sink in it. And I, Listen, this is how we get defeated. Amen? This is how we get defeated. He was distracted from the vision by looking at the conditions around him. And the uh, Proverbs says this, look at this. In Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, what happens? I didn't hear you. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Come on, y'all. It's when you get focused on your condition. When you're looking at everything that's going on around you. My life is a wreck. Everything's jacked up. Tore up from the floor up. I got all this stuff going on. I ain't even worrying about Jesus no more. And you'd start sinking. Right? That's what happens. When he started out, he was doing it. He was seeing the vision. You know, people with vision can do things that other people say can't be done. Did you know that? People with vision. He was doing it. I got my eyes on Jesus. I'm doing it. You imagine he probably stepped out of that boat and he's like, oh, God. People with vision can do things that other people say can't be done. But the moment your eyes shift, let me tell you, I don't know why I just got high pitched in my but let me tell you. <laughs> the moment his eyes shifted off of Jesus. The moment he began to focus on his problems, he started sinking. Amen? Conditions. Oh, my. Oh, my. What's going on? I know. Put your eyes back on Jesus, little man. You start sinking in fear. You start sinking in doubt. You start sinking in worry. You start sinking in all this stuff. That's been going on in your life. And I'm telling you, that's a sure sign that you need to get your focus right and get a fresh vision of who Jesus really is. Amen? Because you start sinking in all this stuff. I'm telling you. Listen, some of you are afraid right now. You don't understand why. You don't understand why. Here's something I want you to hear. This is what I want you to hear. When you start sinking in something, that you used to be on top of. Mm. When you start sinking back in that alcohol. Come on, somebody. Things that you used to be on top of. Maybe it's an old habit in your life. And when you first saw Jesus, you was on top of that alcohol. When you first saw Jesus, you was on top of that drug addiction. When you first saw Jesus, you was on top of all these problems that you had in your life. And you lost your vision. And you started focusing down here. And the next thing you know... You're sinking back into it. Who am I talking to this morning? I know you're out there. I'm telling you right now, your focus is wrong and you take your eyes off Jesus and that thing that you were on top of, you're sinking in it. You're drowning in it. You're drowning in it again. You're sinking. It's when you start looking at the conditions 
and you don't have that fresh revelation. You don't have that fresh vision of who Jesus really is. Amen. It's a sad day when you have overcome something and you start sinking right back into it. Amen. You look back over your life and there were things that God brought you out of that you realize now looking back, you didn't realize how bad they were when you were in them. Amen. But now you look back at it and you see how bad it really was. You need a change vision. Everybody say change vision. Say, Lord, who are you? Come on. And Jesus said this. He said, I'm Jesus, Paul. I'm Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? I'm Jesus. He said, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting them. But Jesus said, no, you're persecuting me. Amen? And I want you to understand this, that if you're with Jesus and Jesus is with you, if somebody does something to you and somebody attacks you, Jesus takes it a little bit personal. Amen? Because what they do to you, if you are with Jesus and Jesus is with you, what they do to you, they're doing to him. And he takes it personal when people attack you. I'm telling you. He takes it personal. He says, if you're doing it to them, Paul, he says, you're persecuting me. You're doing it to me too. Hmm. Thought about Mark chapter 8, the blind man. He had no vision. He was blind from birth. He was born blind. Look at this, Mark chapter 8, start in verse 22. It says, then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Verse 23, so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes, come on, and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. Here's the beauty of it. Then he put his hands on him again. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Then he put his hands on him again. And he made him look up. And he was restored and saw everything clearly. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the very first thing Jesus did to get him a vision. The Bible says that Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the town. Amen? Come on, somebody. This is fixing to hit home to you. I'm telling you right now, he led him out of the town. In other words, Jesus took him out of town because, listen, sometimes... Before you can help people, you got to get them out of their town. Before you can help people, you got to get them out of the familiar. Amen? Before you can help people, you ain't going to get them sober at the crack house. I'm just telling you. Sometimes you got to grab them by the hand and you got to lead them out of the familiar. Amen? You got to get them away from the environment that people have already put this preconceived idea of who they are and what they're going to be. Amen? And sometimes you just got to get them out of that before you can do anything else. And that was the first thing Jesus did. He grabbed them by the hand. This is Jesus. Jesus should be able to do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to. Jesus should be able to perform this miracle right in the middle of town. This is Jesus. 
But the first part of this miracle is what's amazing to me. Listen, he didn't heal him on the spot. He said, I got to get you out of this familiar environment. I got to get you out of here, this comfort zone. Come on, y'all. Comfort zones are real nice, but nothing grows there. Right? All of these people who have these preconceived ideas of who you are and what you're capable of, he says, I got to get you out of there. In order to give you vision, I got to get you away from these people. Amen. Come on. Sometimes God has to get us out of town, so to speak, out of the comfort zone, out of that which is familiar. Everybody around us, the voices. Can I tell you that people will lock you in to who they think you are? Do you know that? People will lock you in to who they think you are. They will lock you in to who you've always been. And so he has to get us out of town. And the Bible says that, that Jesus led him by the hand. This is so powerful. I want you to catch this. He led him blind. Sometimes he'll lead you out blind and you ain't even going to know where the heck you're going. Amen. He will pull you out blind. He will come up and grab you and pull you out of your comfort zone. Do you understand that this is a big deal for a blind person? Because blind people like the familiar. If you're blind, you like the familiar. A blind man knows that it's only seven steps to the light switch. He don't need a cane. He don't need a dog. A blind man knows it's only nine steps to the bathroom. A blind man knows it's 14 steps to the, to the kitchen and 18 steps to the... Amen? This is very important for a blind person. He's very comfortable in the familiar. And God says, sometimes I'm going to take you by the hand and I'm going to lead you out blind. I'm just going to lead you out blind. All I know is a hand is leading me. That's it. He said, Jesus just took him by the hand. That man's probably like this. He's like, think about it. I closed my eyes. That was my blind impression. All he knew was somebody had grabbed him by the hand, guys. Listen, he said, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even understand this. I'm coming out of my comfort zone. I wanted to stay there with all the comfortable people. Come on, somebody. You know how it is. I wanted to stay there with all the comfortable people, with all the comfortable things that I do. But there's a hand leading me blind. He's just got a hold of me. And sometimes God will do you like he did Abraham. Listen, Abraham had to leave his kin folks. He had to leave his country. He had to go. He didn't know where he was going, not knowing at all, not knowing nothing. He just had God take him by the hand and lead him out blind. Amen? Amen. Y'all follow me? Everybody awake this morning? Good. He just said, I want you to go with the vision. He said, I don't want you to be focused on the condition. He said, I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to lead you out blind, and I don't want you to be focused on the conditions. I'm leading you. He said, I want to give you a vision for your life. Amen. Then we give him a shout of praise for that, right? Because he has a vision for your life. And that might mean that he's going to grab you by the hand and just shake things up a little bit for you. And usually when God is going to give you a fresh vision, he'll make you go out of town sometimes. He'll make you get out of comfortable situations. Amen? And some of you, maybe you need to see it a little bit differently. 
right? Maybe, maybe you need to see God taking you out of town and saying, you know what, let me help you. I know you didn't plan on this. I know you didn't plan on this separation. I know you didn't plan, whatever it is. But you say, God, you look at it differently. And he said, I'm going to take you out of town. Let me help you. Let me help you. I know what you're going through. And my hand is with you. And you may be lead, being led out blind. You don't even know. You may be led out blind and, and you don't know what's going to happen. But you say, Lord, I know that there's your hand leading me. I know that I am blind. I know that I am moving. What is going on? Right? He led him out of town. This was Jesus. But evidently, guys, listen, there was something in the town that was holding that man back. Hey, man. I'm going to say that again because I think everybody's distracted right now. Right? He led him out of town. And Jesus is saying, there's something in this town that is holding you back. I got to get you out of here. I got to get you out of here. Sometimes you have to be let out. Listen, sometimes, like this blind man, the scripture's saying that he was willing to leave the comfortable. They, take my hand, come on, I'm out, I'm willing. What if he would have loved his town more than he loved the vision God was giving him? Think about that. What if he loved his town more than he loved the vision that God had for him? Amen? Mm. You have to be willing to move when God says move. Jamie, I want you to start a church. What? You got to be willing to move when God says, I was pretty comfortable. Amen? But what if nobody shows up, God? I was scared. I was comfortable. But you got to be willing to move when God says move. You see a lot of people who think they're supposed to know and they're supposed to see what the next step is. And they want to know what God has for them. And the truth is, sometimes he just leads you out blind. Amen? Sometimes he just leads you out blind. You don't need to know what the next step is. You don't need to know what the, the next move is. And as this man went, he started getting his sight. Come on, somebody. As this man went, he started getting his sight back. And when he got him out of town, Jesus laid his hands on him, spit in his eyes, spit in his eyes, and laid his hands on him. Listen prayed for him. And he said, what do you see? And the Bible says in Mark 8, 24, he looked up, he said, I see men like trees walking around. The first touch gave him better vision. Come on, y'all. Now, I want to tell you something. If you have never had vision, suddenly you see men walking around as trees and you got better vision. Amen? Come on, y'all. That's good news. That's better. And that's where most of us would have stopped. That's where most of us would have stopped. I'm better. I'm doing okay. I'm better than I was. I ain't never seen nothing in my life. Oh, my gosh. I got people walking around like trees. I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm good. I'm better. And that's what, listen, because I believe that's where we stop at. We settle for better and we don't move on to best. Come on, somebody. 
We settle for better and we don't move on to best. We settle for a dim vision when God wants to bring clear vision to your life. And we just settle. And we say, I'm good. I'm better. It's not as bad as it used to be. Come on, y'all. So I think I'll just find me a comfortable place right here and I'll just settle because I'm better. Amen? But then Jesus. But then Jesus. Everybody say, but then Jesus. When this man recognized, you know what? It's better. But it's not as good as it could be. This is not it. Amen? He said, it's better. But this ain't nowhere near as good. This is not all he's got for me. This has got to get into your spirit, guys. Listen to me. This has got to get into your spirit this morning for God to give you the progression of a vision. (laughs) I don't think you heard me. This has got to get in your spirit for God to give you the progression of a vision. Amen? Because if you settle for what you have, you can't do that. Well, settle for what you have and you say, well, this is it. I'm comfortable. I'm better off than I was. I'm doing better. It's okay. I'm here. I'm comfortable. This is it. I don't want God to take me anywhere else. I'm fine. Then that's all you're ever going to have. Then that's all you're ever going to have. Do you understand me? He led him. The scripture says he laid his hands on him. He had a dim vision. And then he laid his hands on him again. Woo. I'm telling you right now. He touched him a second time. And I want you to understand today that God has a second touch for you. Come on, somebody. I want you to understand today that God has a second touch for you. We settle for better and we give up the best. But he touched him again. Hallelujah. He touched him again. I don't want to bring you halfway, God's saying. So I want to take you halfway and then just stop. I want to touch you again. I don't want you to get to 50 and, and, and say, well, this is the best it's ever going to get. It ain't, my vision is over or 40 or, or 30. And you say, well, my, my life is over. I'm halfway through. This is it. This is all God's got for me. The best years of my life. The best part of my vision's gone. Amen. Because you settled for better. You settled for better. Well, he said, I want to touch your eyes and I want to make you best. I want to give you a fresh new vision, something in his heart. He said, man, things are better. He says, I see men walking as trees, but this ain't it. Somebody needs to say in your spirit today, Lord, touch me again. Lord, touch me again. You touched me before and you gave me a vision and now I'm at this place and this season is over in my life and I need you to touch me again and give me a fresh vision for the next season of my life. Amen. I've been looking and and focusing on the conditions too long. Touch me again, Lord. Everybody say, this is not it. If you hold on to something as if it is it, you miss the next thing that God has for you. Amen. If you hold on to something as if it is it, you miss the next thing that God has for you. Why are you making a stepping stone your peak? 
Why are you making a stepping stone your peak? When God has better for you. God didn't mean for you to be at 40 and peaked out. It's not the kind of God we serve. Amen. And all along, you got to keep coming back to him and saying, Jesus, touch me again. Touch me again. Lord, clear this vision again. Show me now in this season. Give me vision for my life. Lead me again. Touch me again. Give me a fresh vision. Reassess the second half of your life. Amen. Reassess the second half of your life. Some of you young people, you need to get the first touch in this service. Come on, y'all. Right now, you need to have an Apostle Paul encounter, a conversion. You need him to touch you. You need to get that fresh vision. This morning, you need to see Jesus. And I promise you, when you really see him, you want to be like him. Amen? When you see him, you want to be like him. And nobody doesn't have to beg you to live right. Because you've been converted. When I really got saved... I remember when it happened to me on a Sunday night in a county jail church service. Amen. This preacher was preaching right to me. Y'all ever been in them kind of services? Huh? This preacher's preaching right to me and I was sick of my life. I was in there with everyone. They was in there with me. They knew my secrets. I knew their secrets. We all knew the little dirty things that we was doing. And and then all of a sudden in that service, that old Pentecostal preacher... Come on, somebody. That old Pentecostal preacher just preaching to me, and something started happening to me, and it was my road to Damascus experience. I'm telling you right now, it was my road to Damascus experience. Jesus touched me, and something melted in my heart. Tears started streaming down my face. Snot started coming out of my nose. I'm up here, and I'm telling you right now, something happened in my life. The preacher barely got the altar call out of his mouth, and I took off running up there. I couldn't get up there fast enough. I didn't care what people thought about me. I didn't care what people said about me. I'm telling you now, our security team would taser somebody if they come running down here as fast as I ran up there. Amen, where's Mike Hall's at? Don't shoot nobody. I couldn't get up there fast enough. Amen. I went up there. I fell to my knees. I was weeping because I saw Jesus and I wanted to be like him. Amen. It wasn't perfect. But I tell you, unless you have that kind of conversion, you have a religious experience. But when you truly get converted, woo! Come on, somebody. Look at the first words out of his mouth in Acts 9, 6. Look at the first words out of his mouth when you truly get converted. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's it. I need to calm down on why I'm hollering right now. You get truly converted, and that's what you say. You say, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's it. I'll do anything you want me to do. When you truly get converted... You die to yourself. You say, you know what? I'll give up anything. I'll give up anybody. Come on, Jesus. I see you on Calvary. I see your love. I see your grace. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? We need a changed vision. We need a fresh vision of Jesus again. Where our lives are not consumed with ourselves.
where our lives are not consumed with the conditions. But Jesus, touch me again. Give me a fresh vision. Jesus touched him again. And suddenly his eyes were clear. Look at Mark 8, 25. He put his hands on the man's eyes again and made him look up. Listen to this. Listen very carefully. He was restored and saw everyone clearly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His eyes were cleared. He saw where he was going, what he was to do. And can I tell you, my prayer for you this morning is so simple. This message is so simple. My prayer for you is so simple this morning. That all along in your walk with God, you need him to touch your vision. Amen. Because I just sensed in prayer this week as I was praying for this. and The people have refocused their attention in many cases here today on their conditions. And they're starting to sink. They're starting to sink starting to sink in stuff that you used to be on top of. Come on, y'all. And the Lord told me to tell you, you need to have a change vision. Amen? A change vision. Refocus back on Him because He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask, hope, or dream, or imagine. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah.